ABC Listen. Hello, my friends. It's Ruby here, and I'm back with news time. Welcome back, Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Today, we are going to meet some lolly-eating cows and see if we can score a strike with one of the world's best ten-pin bowlers. We'll celebrate the school holidays with a game of Spotto and meet a cool kid who's making playgrounds fun for everyone. And you know what comes after that? Wow! You got it. That's the story that made us all say, "Whoa! That's amazing!" What do you think? Should we start the countdown? Let's go, dudes. Story number five. You're a happy-looking cow. I reckon you have just had something yummy to eat. They like to eat grass, and then they do really big fluffies that really, really, really so bit of a stink. Ah, oh, excuse you. It's not just grass that our smelly friends eat. There are some lucky dairy cows on a farm near Mount Gambia in South Australia. Who are being fed chocolate and lollies? Yummy! I think they'd like it a lot, but it wouldn't be very good for them. Well, actually, their owner, Farmer James Mann, says that sweets are a good option because they contain sugar and oil, and they are both essential foods to keep dairy cows producing milk. Often, farmers give dairy cows sugar to help with their energy, but James found a way to help the environment as well. He went to a lolly and chocolate factory in Melbourne and asked them for their leftovers. So instead of going in the bin, the lolly and chocolate rejects were collected for James's cows. They're recycling them. The cow's milk might taste like chocolate, and it might be brown. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if dairy cows could make chocolate milk? But that doesn't happen with these cows. The milk from Farmer James's cows tastes just like other cows' milk, and when it's processed, it's mixed with milk from hundreds of other dairy farms too before it's poured into cartons and bottles and moved into the shops and put up for sale. Story number four. Oh, I don't believe it! I knocked down every single pin. Strike. strike! That's right. In bowling, a strike is when your ball knocks over every single pin. And for every pin you knock over, you get another point. Yep. And the highest score you can get is three hundred. You can get three hundred if you score a strike every single time you bowl. Mostly, all of them are in a triangle, so it makes it tricky. Mhm. It's not easy to knock them all over at once, unless you're Jason Belmonte. Jason has scored a perfect three hundred point game twenty five times. Wow, that's amazing! It is. Up until recently, only two of those perfect games had been filmed for TV. There's a lot more pressure on bowlers when games are being filmed. There are bright lights and cameras all around, and millions of people watching at home. But that didn't worry Jason. Last month, he bowled his third perfect game, 
at the PBA Tour Finals and it was captured on live television. That made him the first person to ever have three perfect games televised for the world to see. That is so awesome. I don't even think anyone in the world, not even my dad or my grandma, I don't think they were able to do that. Congratulations, Jason. You are on a roll. Great bowling. Story number three. I love road trips and I especially love playing games in the car. Spoto! Ah, you beat me to it. Spoto is a game where you try to find a yellow car out the window. Yep, Spoto is a game that people play when they're travelling, mostly in the car. The idea is that you yell out Spoto when you see a yellow vehicle and you get a point every time. But sometimes the rules of the game aren't that clear. You can't yell out Spoto after someone else has said Spoto. And you can't yell out Spoto if it's not a yellow car. Yeah, that sounds right. But to make the rules super clear, Canberra parents Richard Zeiger and Alexandra Mattinson decided to form the International Spoto Federation. And the Federation has a couple of quite specific rules. For example, if you yell Spoto, the vehicle you're pointing at needs to be mainly yellow and can be any shade of yellow. But the colour gold or the colour lime green are not yellow. And official vehicles like school buses or taxis, they don't count. I think they're good. The car has to be driving or have a driver inside it. Parked cars with no driver, that's not allowed. I mean, they are pretty fair. If you yell Spoto, but the vehicle you're talking about doesn't fit the rules, you lose a point. And you have to always be honest if other players don't see your vehicle. So, now that the rules are clear, wanna play? Spoto! Oh, you beat me again! Story number two. If you were creating an ultimate playground, what would you put in it? Slides, you might find firemen poles. Like a sandpit, bucket and spade. I like going in ones that have a really high slide or a fireball. Oh, your playgrounds sound like so much fun. A seven-year-old named Zach loves playgrounds too. He often plays at a park on Bribey Island in Queensland. But one day, he found out he couldn't use the playground anymore. That's because the local council, the people who look after the public spaces, they covered the surface of the playground with wood chips and bark. That was no good for Zach because he uses a wheelchair and his wheels got stuck in that new ground cover. He would feel a bit left out and disappointed. Sad and upset. He was. So Zach wrote to the local council to ask if they would get rid of the bark and wood chips. The council wrote back and said no. They also suggested that he try a different park but that would take 45 minutes to get to from home. Well, that's just really mean. I think it's bad. Zach thought so too. So he persisted 
and he asked the boss of the council, the mayor, for their help. The mayor agreed with Zach that he should be able to move his wheelchair around the park so he could play like everybody else. The council's also come up with a new rule called Zach's Principle. That means they'll make sure that every playground is made accessible from now on. And it means they'll take people's disabilities into account so that playgrounds can be used by everybody. Good job, Zach. Yeah, good on you, Zach. And now it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Wow of the week. This story made me go wow because it's such a good skill to have. Ladles and jelly spoons, roll up, roll up. The greatest typewire artist of all time is about to perform. Oh, <clears throat> sorry. I was just picturing what it would have been like to see Con Colino walk across a tight wire when he was travelling the world performing in circuses a hundred years ago. Well, I've never seen anyone tightrope in my life. Tight wires are sometimes called tight ropes or high wires, and they're pieces of rope or wire that are strung between two points, usually high up in the air. You have to be extremely focused and very good at balancing to walk across a tight wire. You'd have to not fall off for obvious reasons. You have to practice, do some balancing tricks, and you have to be quite brave. Yep, Con was very brave. But remember, he was a professional and you should never try to walk across a tight wire yourself without a grown-up or safety equipment. Things like nets and harnesses are very important. It's very easy to fall off, so be careful. Mm-hmm. Con didn't just walk across tight wires. He became the first person to ever complete a forward somersault on a tight wire. That means he jumped up, somersaulted in the air and landed with his feet on the wire without falling off. No way, thank you. Con was an Aboriginal man of Gamilaroi, Irish and West Indian background. Sadly, he didn't tell many people that he was Aboriginal because back then the Australian government didn't allow Indigenous people to travel. So unfair. Con really wanted to travel, so he decided to do something to get around those unfair rules. He pretended he was Spanish. That meant he was allowed to travel all over the world, performing with circuses. He walked on tight wires, somersaulted on horseback, played the trumpet and even fought in boxing matches. Today, those unfair rules, they don't apply anymore, so Con's true story is being told. Indigenous artists have honoured Con by creating a tribute show about his life and performing it in his hometown of Lismore in New South Wales. Yeah, rock and roll. And that is it, my friends. Thank you. I'll catch you next week with another episode of News Time. Don't forget to do the quiz. It's in our show notes. Bye. See you later. Or as they say in Thailand, sawadi. News Time is an ABC Kids Listen podcast. For other awesome podcasts to play, 
music to move to and stories and soundtracks for sleep, download the ABC Kids Listen app. It's free from your app store.